Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic John Fox. John Fox, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you so much for coming on. I know I follow you. Just, I mean, your social handles are just fucking, they flow off the tongue. You're Hey, it's Foxy J at Instagram, but also DisFoxDatRocks on Twitter. Yes, because I was obviously 15 when I made that Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> and are, does Peer Pressure, uh, your comedy show, does that have a handle on Instagram? Yeah, it's Peer Pressure Comedy. See, that was much, much easier. I guess you probably came up with that a little bit when you were a little bit older. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's something you were doing pre-pandemic. And have you, or I mean, is it something Zoom you started during the pandemic that you, now you're trying to find an in-person place for? Yeah, like, we tried to do, we did like one Zoom mic and just dealing with like Zoom and timing everything. I think it just got like too rough to handle at some time. So we were just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to join other people's Zoom mics and then wait for like an outdoor thing to start back up again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, so you're there, you're there in Brooklyn. Are you doing uh, the tiny cupboard shows or what kind of other shows you've been doing? Uh, I've had, I've been like, I'm, I've been to the tiny cupboard, like just like hanging out there mostly. I've just mostly been trying to do regular, just like open mics just to try to get my feet back out there. So like, there's nothing really planned right now. I'm just trying to get like everything back loose again. I'm yeah. still doing virtual shows with uh, Flappers Comedy Club in Los Angeles, and I did one for them last night. Yeah, I was looking at that. You're bi-coastal. Yeah, I was because uh, the thing is, I was supposed to go out there back in April, and then my dates kept getting pushed back for when I can actually go out there. Okay. And then next thing you know, they went. Everything went to Zoom, and then they then I got into the Burbank Festival, and they just kept booking me from there. So that's how oh. I keep that's how I keep doing stuff for them. So you were going to do a trip out there to kind of do some dates? Yeah, because uh, my sister lives out in Los Angeles, and I, oh, I cool. normally go out there just so I can crash at her place. And uh, I normally like to do, like, um, like road, road sport events for my teams when they're out there. So, like, it gives me an excuse to go out there and see something new. Road sports? Yeah, you know, like, um, when my teams are on the road. Like, I did that back in December with the when the New York Rangers were in um, Los Angeles. Oh, cool. But, yeah, because so Madison Square Garden's you, expensive. Oh, so you, you, yeah, you catch the road games, and are you sporting their jerseys, I hope, even though you're at the uh, enemy, enemy territory? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, hard, it's, it's a lot harder in, like, places, like, when it's, like, your division rival, like, okay. someone you see, like, every year. Like I did a football game for the Jets in Miami a couple of years ago, and I did one in, for the Mets in Philadelphia. And Phil, as, as a lot of people know, Philadelphia sports fans are basically out of their minds. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing in LA it could be a little bit tame. But I'm only thinking about the gentrified areas. There might be some hardcore fans that show up and really, really uh, take the street to your ass. Oh yeah, there there definitely are, but um, <laughs> it. I think it would. It's uh. It's not as big as with hockey there. It's more. It's more of a basketball, baseball kind of thing out there. Yeah, and if you're doing any shows out there, I think John Moskowitz just moved out there, and he has a. He's doing a two a day mic thing out of his carport. He 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 erected a stage and and a sound system and things like that in the carport that he has access to a couple hours a day. So I think if you need some stage time, you know, former New Yorker uh, John Moskowitz yeah, I, I has just the know stage John time. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's fucking sweet when I see he's like, I'm building a stage. And then I see his pictures of the stage being built. I'm like, that is amazing. He's bringing his New York hustle out to New York City. I mean, he's bringing his New York hustle to L.A. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. And some of the topics that we had just kind of shows what a badass you are. And it's why you're wearing your fucking jersey to road games. And, you know, some of the some of the stories that we're talking about pre pod with, you know, fucking people punching your ass at concerts and fucking yeah. um, and just oh what you just you, you know you're making memes out of wrestlers and they're retweeting your ass like you you seem to be just a fucking adrenaline junkie man i just want to know if that you know you know what you know what do you get out of it and does that stuff make its way into your act like are you an adrenaline junkie on stage as well um it, on stage for me it's a little different i just like basically go a little observational go like with like ranting and, uh, you know, I just like truck cause like, um, cause a lot of my friends, like there's a, a lot of like transplants, like out of town comics. So like when I go up there, I kind of, when I hear myself speak, I'm like, I'm just hearing my Brooklyn accent come out, like my old school New York accent, like, uh, and I can tell sometimes people like don't really like can comp- comprehend it, but like, um. But that's just like the thing about like the boroughs, like in New York, especially in Brooklyn, because like there's like different cultures in each different neighborhood. So like it's totally different everywhere. Yeah. And so but when you go to another part of the country to do your stand up, it's like they don't you know, they just think you're some uh, some hard headed New Yorker. And so you can play the part right with your rants. Yeah. uh, Cleveland, I had a lot of fun in when I was there back in February. Okay. Yeah. Because like. um, I, I, cause like, I feel like with them, even in the Midwest though, according to some of my friends that agree with me on this, like you can definitely get like a lot bigger laughs than what you could do. LA by, is a by little play, tough. By playing up the whole New York thing. I think uh, Travis Grant says something like that about his Midwest dates. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know Travis as well. Like he can definitely play up that part and I've seen him live do, and I've seen him do it. <laughs> but around here, you're just another fucking local, right? Yeah, basically. L.A. So, is very different because, like, they're very storyteller. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, storyteller, like, very actor-like. So, with act, like... With, um, with act-outs, etc. And are you... I mean, do you try to adopt any of that shit? Or are you just like, no, I'm not even going to try? Yeah, I'm not really, like, an act-out guy because I feel like I'm too stiff. <laughs> but that's just <laughs> the New... I feel like that's just the New Yorker in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you can personify a character in your life, right? Like, do the voice of a, of a ranting dad or uncle or something. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so, so how does your, um, you know, how did the, just, you, you go on stage, you got the adrenaline kick there, you're going to shows, you're getting fucking, you're getting fucking punched in the pit. You're online, you're doing multi multiplayer gaming online and you're fucking finding out that everybody across the world is fucking nuts, man. It sounds like you seek it out, but then you're like, ah, I'm going to step away from it. Cause you even stepped, stepped away from online gaming. I did. Yeah. Because like the thing, my thing is with like online game, like I just, I had to switch to, um, like private parties with my friends if I'm ever doing it because like if you if we do it like public that's when you get like um a lot of like those crazy people from like around the world like like the thing is like the UK the guys from the UK they don't curse at you they just use very well intellect to insult you <laughs> and how do you respond to that honestly it's very hard to respond to that <laughs> and like you got people from mexico speaking spanish to you like insulting you in spanish like i'm puerto rican but like they're speaking it so fast i can't get every single word (laughs) so you're like i'm gonna haul out the only spanish bad word i know pretty much yeah 
yeah, that and there's also like a lot of kids. And I remember back as a kid, like you would have to like go through like an extent to get your parents permission to own a rated M video game. And now parents are just buying it willy nilly. Yeah. So, like, so, so you might you might have heard that, too. So like it's very now it's just like such a broad range. Like parents are just letting people their kids play literally whatever they want. Like you can see a four-year-old with Grand Theft Auto, like it's insane. <laughs> does that mean it? Does that make it harder to shock people? It does. It's in a way. Uh, it, it's um. I wouldn't say it's harder to shock people, but it's definitely easier for you to be shocked. Cause um, I because <laughs> I remember playing Gears of War, and a friend of mine was going at this one random guy that was put on our team, and he was just going at him and at him. And then all I hear in my my headset is, dude, stop yelling at my six-year-old son. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I was just very uncomfortable <laughs> for uh, a while. <laughs> I love it because, I mean, you could be just a you know, badass growing up and break all the rules. And now you're finding out that the rules are just broken for everybody. And that in and of itself is shocking to you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like not just, it's like the very loose way parenting is now, I think, too. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that, yeah, are you gonna raise your kids that way or what? Uh, prop it. I think it would depend. It really would depend on like where I would be at, like situation wise. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, did did any of this kind of, you know, are you an adre- adrenaline junkie, or am I putting words in your mouth? And did 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 that kind of impact your decision to go on stage so you could kind of get that fix and and be that pugilist? And does it carry over into your you know, your reaction or interaction with the audience? Like, do you, uh, how do you confront heckle, hecklers? Um, do you get up in their face? Like, you know, what's the persona that is uh, John Fox? Well, like every, like, like, I'm normally like late. I can be like very laid back up there. And like hecklers is different because um, you got it. Cause um, there's sometimes I would like, I leave stage say, thinking, I wish I said something else. And I think everyone feels that the same way too. Like yeah. I probably should have handled this a little bit differently. <laughs> there was some times re- where you regret um, you regret not going far enough. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. There was one time at an open mic in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. It's at this place called the Irish Haven, and they actually filmed scenes from The Departed and that TV show Gotham there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like, and then there, I remember this one time an old drunk man who said he wanted to try stand up like he was just too drunk to even stand at all and uh he was <laughs> just yelling the entire time and wants to do stand up that's hilarious yeah and then like he was basically um god what was it he was just he was tr- trying to order drinks from the ice machine and the bartender is not even near him <laughs> <laughs> and so i just kept calling him out on that the entire time and I, I ended up getting like like three to four extra minutes on stage just what? going after this old man, just yelling it into everyone's sets, trying to order a drink from the ice bin. Dude, I fucking love that. And I mean, are are you good at roast then too, or no ro- roast battles? Oh no, roast battles. Um, ever since I started doing roast battles, I it, it's best that I can describe it as I have my moments. Most of the times, it's just <laughs> bad. Okay, but they keep bringing me back. But because um, I'm friends with literally everyone there, they like me. So, <laughs> so it's like, all right, if you're gonna if you're gonna let me go up, I'll guess I'll just go up. 
And to me, that would be shocking because it's like you're breaking the you're breaking the rules of normal society. It's like we're actually, you know, we know each other and we're going to go after each other to all the laughs in the audience. And the judge, judge judges are going to judge us, I guess. Like, it just seems a little bit mean to me. Yeah, no, the judges can be ruthless at some points. But like, I think the best battles is like you're, when your jokes are at your best is when you're facing your closer friends because, you know, way too much about them. They know way too much much about you but yeah. at least at that point you'll know you'll get some original stuff in yeah absolutely and so yeah what, what kind of you know what you know what kind of stuff are you ranting about on stage if it was observational before the pandemic do you have to change it or is a lot of this rooted in your autobiographical stuff that's evergreen and doesn't have to change i mean if, if i'm mostly just like ranting about like stuff that like irks me like and i'm like I don't really have that much stuff about because like dating, for example, like I don't really have that much stuff about it. But like if you if I can find something about it, then I'm going to go into it. Yeah. And um, then most of the stuff I just talk about my fa and like I just like basically go on about like my family because my family's pretty nuts. OK. Yeah. So, yeah. How, how are they nuts? And are they nuts in a different enough way where you can distinguish yourself from other comics who have a, a nutso family themselves? Yeah, like, because um, my family's, like, very different because, like, my mom's side's Puerto Rican and my dad's side is, like, those old school New Yorkers that moved to New Jersey. And, like, they became, like, white trash. Like, now they got, like, the gold chains and everything. <laughs> yeah, how, it, do, how, do, how does that mesh or doesn't it? It, in a, it, it's a, it doesn't really, like, mesh at all because, like, it's because, like, my dad's side can be a pretty racist and... Uh, <laughs> My mom's side's pretty liberal, so, like, yeah. it's very weird how, like, it, those two contracting things just go together and make someone like me. Yeah. So you kind of grew up in that environment, and that made you able to kind of riff with the best of them. Exactly. Yeah. I, that, that's how I would put it. Dude, it's like, I have to fucking make the peace here, because my dad's racist family is going to make fun of my mother's Puerto Rican family. Yeah. I, I do have a joke like that, that. It doesn't hit in L.A. because there's no Puerto Ricans in L.A. <laughs> It hits, um, like, everywhere I've done on the East. Like I said, uh, half my family's Puerto Rican and half my family thinks I'm Mexican. Like, that's how... <laughs> like, if you live, like, on the East Coast, you you get that joke. Because it's like, ah, oh, Mexican, Puerto Rican, it's the same shit. Like, it's not the same shit. Yeah, and people in L.A. know that it's not the same shit. Because, I mean, I guess all they have is Mexicans. So they probably think that everybody brown is Mexican. Exactly. Well, something like that. Uh... <laughs> They, yeah, but it's really just most, like there's no other like there's no Puerto Ricans, not even like Dominicans or Cubans. It's mostly Mexican. My Lord. So, yeah, I mean, so and what appealed to you about going out to L.A.? I guess you're you said your sister's from there or your sister's yeah, there sister's now there. Well, my sister lives there now. Okay. And um, I don't I just it's just sounded like when I'm already in New York, it sounded like some another scene I could actually try. Yeah. And what's the other popular scene other than New York? It's Los Angeles, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 but you need, need the car and shit. Like, you know, I mean, moving there would be a little bit difficult to get spots because you need to drive everywhere and the traffic is a clusterfuck, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I remember, like, the first time I was out there, like, actually, like, doing comedy and, like, meeting new people. Some people I already knew, but um, one guy told me he gets about three to four open mics a week. <laughs> And um, in New York, you can get that in a day. Yeah. But now you have to tra travel on the virus trains, man. I know. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I start, 
I mean, I didn't do, do well, I didn't do any like the outdoor stuff in like August because like one, it was scorching hot. Yeah. It's like I'm not going to like sit around in a park all day just to do like five minutes. Like, so I just um, just kept it online and for a little bit and did stuff that was close to me within like walking distance. Yeah. Then once it started getting colder, I was just like, you know what? You're never going to know until you try it. So I started like taking the subway again. Okay. Because it's like, you know, it, it, because it's like the same thing with like indoor dining. Like I know you're everyone's scared, but like you really are never gonna know something is gonna work until you try it out yourself. Yeah, but I mean, are you finding like and so you know as you went to more of these shows and things like you know what's the conversion rate? And I mean, if you're able to walk to a mic, of course it's you know it's very low cost and high reward, I suppose. But like you know going all the way to fucking Central Park or Prospect Park to do a mic, it's like you know when is five five minutes not really worth the five hours or I suppose the couple hours of commute. I don't know. Well, to me, um, I've always like, um, it's, it's just really being prepared for like literally anything. Cause sometimes those park stuff, you can get heckled by a homeless person. It's very weird, <laughs> but, uh, and, he, and, and he's I, killing, he is killing for a couple seconds there. I exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think just so you just to try and get yourself back into a situation where you don't want to do the zoom stuff anymore because some of the zoom stuff sucks. Let's just yeah. be honest about that. Okay. And, uh, you just want to get, and when you want to just get back out there like so badly and just try to, you know, get back loose, hold an actual microphone in your hand. I think it ends up being worth it after that. Cause you know, you're just trying to get everything back to the way it used to be. Yeah, I love that. It's just like I want to. Somebody called it ritualistic. You know, putting on these shows. It's like I have my umbrella. I'm putting on this comedy park show. Everybody agrees that this is a show. It's like everybody has an incentive to almost think that, or let's kind of feel like we're returning to normal, even if it's only for an hour. Mike in the park, but just like you know, I mean, peer pressure. It sounds like you're putting together. You're putting together your own mic, and I mean, is that the way to do it? You know, if I'm a guy who doesn't want to go around to fucking three mics a night or whatever in New York City, especially after the pandemic, especially when it gets cold like is starting your own mic the way to go and if so why doesn't everybody do that instead well the thing is like running your own mic it can get a little frustrating after a while because like sometimes you have to cap it and like sometimes you you can't get people on people get mad but like eh, yeah that's just that's just something like um so that's just like something you just have to deal with and it's not really that big of a deal but then like i think but um I do feel like sometimes like the most annoying parts about shows is when um, that's when like everyone starts like sending you messages just trying to get on. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like Fuck. that's when all the messages start coming in like um, <laughs> from like people I've never met and like uh, just saying like I've been on this on this. Can I feature like <laughs> It's like yeah, they're going right for the the top. Can I fucking yeah. fe feature on your show, my lord? Yeah, that was like one of the last few messages that me and my co-producer Meg Felling has actually got. It was like I got one that said like, "Can I feature?" But like, it's a mic though, right? Yeah. Well, we uh, we started <laughs> doing shows too. Oh, that'd we be even like, even funnier if it was just a mic and the guy is so oblivious. He's like, "Can I feature?" You're like, "Fucked hard." We've never met, and it's a mic, you dipshit. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, one of our closest friends, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, he okay. actually did message us his credits to get on our mic. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do this. <laughs> we literally <laughs> responded back, you don't have to do this. 
no one has to do this, especially the fact oh. that we're close friends, man. You can jump on the mic anytime you like. So can everybody. Yeah. And I remember that, like, um, there was a bar in my neighborhood called Red, White, and Brew. It just closed down because of COVID. Okay. But I remember that there was this open mic there. And um, I'm like, all right, I if to, Wednesdays are normally dead anyway. I don't really get mo- much in on a Wednesday. Okay. So it's like, all right, maybe I can just, like, come home, change, and actually just go out. And then um, I tried to sign up for the open mic, and the host asks me to send him a tape. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why do you want a tape for an open mic? Uh, a four, like, oh, a forty-five minute, uh, yeah, forty-five minute tape as well. Yeah, it's like uh, everyone I told this to told me like, yeah, like yeah, that is this is really excessive because like I'm literally going there to work on stuff to make a tape, like stuff yeah. like that. And, and what do you I, say? What do you say? Yeah, I cut you off. What do you say in response? No, he said, uh, and he was, I'm like, why do you need a tape? And he said, oh, that's just to, cause we got musicians as well. And that's just like, we're just trying to figure out where to put you in the lineup with your tape. And I'm like, I ah, go fuck yourself. I'm not yeah, doing this. Delusions of grandeur. I mean, there's so, and I think Ariel Dundas, she, she was doing it out and I don't know, she was out in Amsterdam first. She was doing it. She was like, there's one gatekeeper out there. So you have to be in good with that gatekeeper. Whereas out here in New York, there's about a hundred. And one of them is that dipshit guy who wants a fucking tape to be on the mic. And that's, uh, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go hit the 99 other gatekeepers. You dipshit. Yeah. Like really. <laughs> That's a good arrow. That's actually a good way she put it, though. A, a lot of gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah, so many fucking gatekeepers. So, I mean, the only one we care about, of course, is John Fox, and we we follow him everywhere at these fifteen-year-old uh, this fifteen-year-old stand-up uh, social <laughs> so, social handles. Hey, it's Foxy J on Instagram, this Fox Dat Rocks on Twitter, but also at Peer Pressure Comedy on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. Do hell yeah, John Fox. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, man.